yes, this is so much more than a religious festival, uh, a sacrifice, and, you know, a identity of being Jewish. Now, our identity is now in Christ, and we live as a new family in Christ. thinking about it with and it comes from the first part of chapter two welcome to the rethink podcast oh i see i see what you're doing there welcome to the rethink podcast i was thinking about it last night when i came back from we took an all-day crazy trip with the with the junior high class at the school we we left here in the morning went to the ark i was wondering i was wondering where he was yesterday that's kentucky (laughs) all the way over and and did the ark got back in the van and came back. How was it? It's a long way. With a bunch yeah. of junior hires? Yeah, they were good. They stink. <laughs> Not too bad. Mine stinks. Well, <laughs> when I come back, that's my, my point is, when I come back, we've got a new roof on the building. Yeah. Yeah, how, how many wild people were up that? there yesterday? A bunch. A bunch. I've never seen anything like it. It was, it was like a hornets flying around. Yeah, so... It was Hispanic fellows, mm-hmm. a whole entirely Hispanic crew. Except awesome, for, awesome dudes. Only one of them spoke English. I met him. Yeah, the kind of the communicator mm-hmm. guy with the right. yeah, good dude. They get after it, mm-hmm. and it look it looks great. It looks awesome, right? Um, this one guy, we were talking about this. He was he was like he had the nail gun right, and he was they were feeding him shingles. I don't think he looked up from from his shingle for twelve hours. It, the gun was stuck on automatic. Yeah, it was just insane. It was unreal. I'm, I'm pretty fast. sure he never took his finger off the trigger. It was just like boom, you know, like it was slamming a well it down. It was like boom, boom. It was like it was, I mean, it was crazy. Like, it was staccato. It was just crazy. They ripped off and put on an entire roof on all existing building and a new section mm-hmm. in three days. Mm-hmm. Crazy. That is crazy. So they're not, but they're not. Obviously, they're not from here. They're living in Mexico. Uh, but I'm presuming they've, they've come here to work, mm-hmm. right? Which is admirable. I, I, they stay in Rantoul. They stay in Rantoul. Mm-hmm. It, it, to me, is like the drive of a man who's willing to do that is, is something to tip your cap to. Like, mm-hmm. that's impressive. Mm-hmm. But that's not the stereotype we have of that whole culture. Right. It's totally wrong. Our stereotype is totally wrong. Right, they're here to work because, quite quite frankly, the roofing crew uh, supervisor told me, we can't find people around here that'll do this. Right. Right. So these guys come in to work. Mm-hmm. Definitely not as efficient. If they did. <laughs> well, there was no. They weren't taking breaks. I, I never saw them even like slow down. They did. They did take according, lunch according to OSHA. Uh, yes, they took breaks, and it was you know, very secure and mm-hmm, safe. R- right by the rules. But they did take a break, but here was their break. They all got in the van, and they all slept for like 20 minutes. That's because they were roofing for 14 hours yeah, a day. I was going to say. And then they got back after it. Because like, I, I live close to church, so they literally at 7, they were starting, and they were working until the sun like was almost down for two nights. Wow. Where do stereotypes come from? That's a good question. That's a deep philosophical question. Favoritism. What causes favoritism? Mm. I mean, it's the topic of James' first part. We're not, and we're not really going to touch this. 
in the, yeah. in the teaching, so maybe we shouldn't touch it here in the podcast either. I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's important to you talked about Andrew last week, like everything that he addresses in the chapter one is really addressed later, and that's part of it here. I mean, he's he's talking about the context of rich and poor, right, and showing favoritism to a rich person versus a poor person. I think we all have natural a natural prejudice at some level, and. Where does that come from, though? I think it, in some way... I don't think you're born with that. I, th- I think you learn that. I think you learn it, too. And I think it's it's part of your upbringing, part of your culture you grow up in. Um, I don't know. A lot I, of it stemmed from ignorance, you think? Just a lack of exposure and experience? I, I, yeah, I, I think it is lack of exposure and perspective. I think any time... I think self is probably the dominating factor in that is that just self yeah self like self-reliance self um you know promotion all those different things because here's what happens is and we've all experienced this when you sit down with someone and you have a conversation with someone your perspectives changed and your bias may change even because you may view a certain group a certain way but whenever you have a conversation with one now it's different may not change the whole perspective, but with that person, things usually change whenever you you get to hear and experience a, a story that maybe you were uninformed about or misguided over. I think the reason the reason James brings it to the attention of these people is and to us is because you you can't change it until you know until you're aware. You know, like if you're not aware that you have these things that naturally lean you in a direction of showing favoritism over another person, you can't change it. And until you're, like I said, until you're aware of it, you can't change it. So I think that's part of it is, you know, you were talking about being, I don't know what you said exactly. It was good, whatever I said. Yeah, it's really life-changing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you can't be, you can't change it until you're aware of it. And sometimes we're not, we're just not aware. Our experience in Athens is a good picture of that, because we had uh, some refugees from Afghanistan, Iraq, mm-hmm. Iran, right. places that we don't like. Yeah. Enemies. And I was gonna say enemies, right? Like that's our view of. Oh, really? It is. Yeah. yeah. We've gone to war with those people. Yep. And yet we sat in an apartment, shared a meal with them, and their brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Trusted the guy to lead us <clears throat> yeah. down the, the down scary huh? yeah. streets. Yeah. 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 But why? Why did we do that? We our, had a meal, and we, we shared our commonality in Christ. Right. Yeah, so I think that's the important thing, too, is whenever we're focused on ourselves, it causes us not to be focused on what actually unites us, which is Christ. And James is talking to a church that's completely dispersed at this point because of persecution and he's calling for this unity that brings us together it's not our wealth it's not our possessions it's not our poverty that brings us together either it's christ who brings us together and it's the mission of christ that we're participating in and so that's why we're not going to look down on one another or we're not going to judge those who have wealth either because that goes both ways mm-hmm. of judging people who are wealthy because of their wealth or looking down upon someone in their poverty 
Christ is what brings us together, and his mission is what unifies us. I think verses 14 and 15, 16, and 17 are what connect the first section and the second section together because he talks about, he uses this illustration of a person who runs across another person who's, they're, they're hungry, they're, they're, you know, what he says, what if a person, you see a person that's um, cold and not well fed, you know, like he uses that illustration. Well, that comes right out of that first section, which is the fact that if you're, if you're poor, that's not what unites us. If you're rich, that's not what unites us. Our primary identifier is Christ. Well, you got to be aware of those situations, and he uses that as a bridge, I think, to connect doing something because of what you see. Mm-hmm. Well, he's saying that when we are in Christ, when we live as citizens of the kingdom of God, we're abandoning you know, the cultures, the places that we grew up in, so we don't you know, mm-hmm. live in the culture worldview of, you know, for us, America, but they don't live in the cultural worldview of, of you know, Judaism or Roman, you know, Roman worldview. And so they're living in the kingdom of God. And what marks that is, like you said, unity with Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't discriminate or elevate people based on whether they have, you know, a higher social status or mm-hmm. money or something like that. So... I think the essence of the issue, though, their judgment is based upon almost a self itself. Mm-hmm. What's in this for me? What what can that person bring to me? What benefit is being kind and you know uh, serving to them going to bring to me? If they don't have anything to give in return, why am I going to be generous to them? Well, that's that's a totally the not right attitude that that we sometimes take. Um, and you know, so the rich guy. Oh, if I'm nice to him, maybe he'll really support the church. He'll mm-hmm. get big to the building project. He'll mm. blah blah blah. You know, whereas the poor doesn't have anything to give, so let's not waste our time. I think that's really a part of what's going on here yeah. as well. Right. It's all about me. And they were also really big in the honor and shame. You know, if you've been in the mm-hmm. that's, yeah. cultures today, that's that culture. You know, honor and shame and value that. You know, there's different things that bring honor and there's different things that bring shame and so yeah if someone of a high status of an honorable status comes in you're going to want to respond in a way that elevates their honor and you know reciprocates that honor upon yourself you don't want to shame yourself by shaming dis- them. yeah by yeah. shaming them and so but james is here saying like no like those are the world standards now we're in christ mm-hmm. we operate differently hmm. i think it even goes back to how he opens up the letter james a servant you know, and he's there's a thread of humility through the entire letter that he keeps coming back to. Mm-hmm. Of like, he it, does it chapter two, verse one. Yeah, what is it? Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. He's taken the the title, the reference to Christ, his mm-hmm. brother. Yeah, who didn't believe in until after the resurrection to a whole nother level. Yeah, and so it's you know it's about this Christian faith of a posture of humility in Christ. Like our, our confidence comes in Christ, not ourselves. Our position comes in Christ, not our position in this world of self, our possessions. You just go down the line and Christ is the center of every thought, every action. And that is the countercultural, you know, gospel that we're hearing about. And I think in James. Mm-hmm. It just looks different than the world up until this point. And, you know, I've said it. I don't think Paul and James are in 
contradiction here. I think they're painting the picture of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God in fullness. And so I think the really powerful picture of the kingdom is whenever you can look at both of those perspectives and you see how they work, you know? Martin Luther referred to James as a straw epistle, right? Not much, not much substance or strength in it. I, I think he missed the fact that entirely different audiences here, mm-hmm. entirely mm-hmm. different audiences than what Paul was writing to. Paul's writing to unbelievers, right, about the substance of faith and the, and the call to salvation, which happens only by faith. James is writing to believers about how to endure persecution and do it together. And so he's talking about the the substance of faith in action, what it means to do and obey because of the gospel. Totally different audiences. I agree with you. It's, it's the same message, mm-hmm. right? Faith is not meant to be viewed as uh, as a noun, really. It's, we equate faith with belief. When James is saying, you know, faith is more to be equated with obedience. Obedience is really the substance of faith, mm-hmm. not belief. Belief is, well, it's invaluable, but it's not separate. Mm-hmm. We used that illustration last week of breathing, and I think that's a, a good picture of the two. Like, you breathe in to grow in God's word and truth, but if you don't ever exhale that, you still die, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's this in and out process. That is breathing. And if we are going to live in the kingdom of God, it's both, you know, the right truths that we're putting into our lives from God's word, but it's the right living that accompanies that. And that's what really makes life full. And that's where the relationship with Christ brings fulfillment. What's the, what's the one thing, Matt, that really resonated with you as you worked on the second half of this chapter? He bringing it home faith and deeds that there's a difference between believing about God and believing in God like you know this is all about putting our faith into action right like this idea of belief motivates us to act to do something there's a a lot of people that will fill our campuses this weekend who they they know about God maybe they like me grew up in a Christian home they went to church you know and they know about god but they have yet to really make him lord you know like because when you make him lord it changes the way you live and so you know you were talking about the contradiction between you know paul and james here and you know he he at the end paul in ephesians he says that he's prepared in advance for us good works right so it's like they're saying they're saying very similar things, just in different ways. And James is saying, listen, if your faith does not motivate you, then you got to ask yourself a question. Like, do you really have faith? You know, because it's this, I, I called it in the sermon, the voltage meter. Like, you're trying to check to see if you're alive. Well, your your actions communicate if you're alive, because what do growing things do? they grow. And I talked about in the message how not only do they grow, but they also multiply. And so if you want to find out if you're growing, you got to ask yourself, like, are you serving? Are you giving till it hurts? Are you sitting down across the table with someone, having a conversation about 
them taking their next step with the Lord? Like, are you actively discipling somebody? Because if you're not doing those things, I don't know if you really are all in. It's universal. I, I think if you if you look at the first part of the chapter, the rich and the poor, you look at the last part of the chapter, the two examples he gives for faith, mm-hmm. Abraham and Rahab. Totally different. Totally. Father Abraham, prostitute Rahab, mm-hmm. both noted for doing what? Doing. Doing. Mm-hmm. Doing. That's another pattern that James uses in his letter. It's He's not giving a definition of faith by his examples that he's putting out there he's giving us examples mm-hmm. of faith because in chapter one it talks about you know like um religion that our father considers pure and righteous is to look after orphans and widows in their distress well he's not saying like that's the that is religion you know what i'm saying and he's not saying you ought to be a prostitute and just do good works you know what i'm saying he's giving us examples of how the gospel transforms our hearts into action so to me the hardest verse to wrestle through then is verse 24 you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone mm. so Why martin luther didn't like it uh uh-uh. his 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 whole premise is uh, faith alone mm-hmm. so i don't i've been thinking about this this week and have you ever had a couple come in to your office for counseling that they're married but yet as they talk they you know you come to find out basically they're living two separate lives like they don't talk to each other they don't really interact with each other except for maybe you know a good morning or you know a high and bye type of thing have you ever had that maybe so, maybe well i figure you've been at this longer so surely you've had a couple that's coming and done that before but you have two people that are married and they have the title of marriage but if they're living completely separate lives like are they really married and yes they have the title of marriage but like nothing in their life reflects that they're married there's no um you know connection there's no relationship there's no even you know emotional intimacy between them because they're living two separate lives um, and so relating this to our faith, like a lot of us, we want to have the title or the, you know, that we're, we have faith in God, but yet if there's nothing that signifies or the relationship never is, um, shared between us and Christ, do we really have faith? You know, we can have the title of faith, but if we never have moments in our life that we have to display faith or, you know, walk by faith or, you know, live out our faith, like, are we, do we truly have faith? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of... Yeah, I think it's that, that's the thing we talk about a lot that's really hard to define in a way that people grasp. It's it's the distinction between having a relationship with the Lord and being religious. Mm-hmm. You, you can have faith and be religious, but if your faith doesn't change you, it's not a relationship. So another thing I think we just we have to always be careful of anytime we read scripture is we when we read those words, we read them with a 2023 Western perspective into the text. And Levi and I were talking about this this week about reading the text in a wrong perspective because we read that and we go, well, now he is in contradiction with Paul. So mm-hmm. you always have to go back to who's it written to, where's it written to, and what's going on. 
And so you got to remember, these are all Jewish believers at this point. And so this idea that faith transforms out of religious festivals and practices into tangible expressions of the gospel is a foreign concept to them at this point. The idea of caring for the poor, not judging one another, like all these different cultural things, this is brand spanking new for them of how to actually live this out. The gospel is like trying to be worked out in their lives. So when when James writes this, which is really way before we get Romans or Ephesians, you're talking to a group of group of believers who have been brought up their entire lives in a works-based system and hmm. believing. They believe in God. That's yeah. not their issue. Their belief is not the issue. It's the good news of Jesus that transforms their life is now the issue James wants to help them realize that, yes, this is so much more than a religious festival, uh, a sacrifice, and, you know, a identity of being Jewish. Now, our identity is now in Christ, and we live as a new family in Christ. Could this be they've made up like a pendulum swing to... To, you know, to, to move totally to, well, I, I have faith. That's, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a believer now. It's Jesus who brings salvation, and it's not the things that I do that matter. Mm-hmm. Totally swinging away from you got to do, yeah. do, 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 do all these things annually and weekly and daily. And now, now they're, they're, they're totally rege- and said, Bring it together. Yes. That's, that's I, how I read that text. I think you're right. Yeah, this is Jewish believers. Mm-hmm. Who who are well, and it ties to the first story, right? Mm-hmm. They're not treating each other properly. That's that's the real essence of application here. They're not treating each other properly. So, if you have faith, you treat each other in Christ like a brother, like a sister, mm-hmm. right? Like family. Yeah, I think that's the essence of what's going on. It's not it's not just you alone now. You and Christ. It's it's what does this mean relationally? Love your neighbor as your self yeah because all those themes that we find in james are echoes of the sermon on the mount yeah mm-hmm. so that'd be all i gotta say about that yeah i'm done <laughs> well i'm not i'm not done i can what i'm gonna i think i'm gonna flip this i haven't written it yet i'm working on it sermon this yeah. is thursday it's only thursday i think i'm gonna start by revisiting the two illustrations at the end and go backwards, right? Why does he use these stories? What's going on in these stories so that we we can see? Well, man, I mean, like as soon as he, they bring up, he brings up Abraham, everybody would have been like, oh, like yeah. they, they know that story, you know, like. They know both that, those stories. I know. I just think it's the, you know, the, the messianic foretelling and in, in Abraham, Isaac, and the sacrifices is right. just crazy. Right, they knew all of that. I think that's the part of the reason that story's tied so mm-hmm. tightly. Right, and then Rahab is about taking the promised land, but it's about her, the most unlikely of heroes in this moment, saved, because she was willing to step up and help them out, and then she lied. Yeah, that's a whole other issue. She she lied to save them, right? You got something to say? I do tell? because those two stories also. They're not about the people. They're about God's provision yeah. 
because Abraham and Isaac, the story is not about, it is about Abraham's but creating fa- a people faith. But what sets that whole story apart is the fact that all the other gods in that time frame of Abraham, that's what they were doing to worship their gods. Yet God is the one who provides the sacrificial lamb that enables life. So according to my Jewish friend, that text, when it says, when, when Isaac says, Dad, who's going to, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God himself will provide. Mm-hmm. Our English translation is weak there. Mm-hmm. It actually says God will provide himself as the sacrifice. It's mm. so much a foretelling of you know, our relationship yep. in Christ. God will provide himself. Not just he will be the provider, but he is the provision in the sacrifice. And the fact that Isaac carries the wood, like... Three it's days just, journey. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's good. Mount Moriah. Like it is just, yeah. So you had the the high of Abraham and the low of <clears throat> Rahab, but but it's it, obedience. Yeah. I mean, well, it's God using them to be. It's God's provision, despite whether you're high or low, because it's it goes back to the very beginning of that, and so it's once again Christ centered. Because who wins the battle? It's not the Israelites who win the battle. It's not Rahab that saves them. It's God who provides through the lowest of lows and the highest of highs. And just sitting here thinking about that line, can that be the tie to the first two stories? The rich and the poor in your assembly. You're treating the rich man well, so he'll get some of that. No, wait, trust God. He's the provider. Interesting. Hmm. Deep thoughts here on the Rethink podcast. Any more to say? Levi? I do, but it's not in the vein of what we were just talking about. Then so. you can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> we're not supposed to cut him off. so. I know. My life group told me that last night. It was really good. Go for it. Okay, one note real fast. <laughs> Romans. Thanks for joining us on the <laughs> I was waiting for <laughs> We're rethinking the rethink. I thought we were shutting it down. Here he goes, interrupting. No, you gave me permission. Uh... The best James, part is he thought he had what to, you don't understand. He thought he had to ask. We don't need permission <laughs> around here. We just talk. James and Paul are using Abraham, the same character, but they're using him in two different ways. Um, in Romans, he's using Paul is using Abraham in terms of the circumcision, and so he had belief before the circumcision. And James is using the story of Abraham and Isaac and how his faith is credit, you know, accompanied by works. So that's part of the reason why, like. They're using the same guy, but they're they're referencing two different aspects of his life. Totally yeah. different places in our relationship with the Lord. Yeah. 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 Thank you, sir. That was that was good, Levi. I don't know if it was worth the thirty extra seconds. Oh yeah, totally worth hey, it. The audience shall determine that. <laughs> let us know. Should we let Levi keep talking? I'm saying, is Caleb uh, replacing me next week? Yeah. Time, time will tell. Yeah, he's he's gonna replace you, Caleb. <laughs> Thanks for joining us.